Welcome to The Flight Deck, a leading-edge podcast. I'm Michael Wilson, the Communications Committee Chair. Today I have Captain Garth Thompson, MEC Chairman. Hi, Michael. Captain Dave Smith, SPSC. Good afternoon, Michael. Today we're going to cover negotiations and SPSC events. Hey, Garth, uh, February, way back in February, uh, we started renegotiations with the company. We had a hope for a really quick agreement, and it doesn't seem like that's happening. What's going on over there? Well, on February 10th, we did pass a proposal, and shortly after, had a talk with the company and asked that what comes back needs to be close. That if you come back with a wide gulf between your position and our position, we're going to have problems. But they did it anyway. And so we've had a long grind getting them to come our way in their proposals, uh, certainly with scheduling provisions, Section 5 and 20. And we're, we're getting there in that, that realm, but in uh, several high-dollar items, we're still uh, far apart. We've yet to get a uh, proposal response to our sick leave uh, provisions. We're well apart on long-term disability, uh, compensation, vacation, a lot of things. But we're, we're still resolved to work towards the industry-leading contract that, that our United Pilots deserve. Well, let me ask you about this because, um, look, you're not new at this. You're, you've been here over 30 years. Uh, Captain Smith, you've been here 38 years. Um, clearly, you didn't come into this idea that they were just going to pony up and give us the contract that we wanted. No, it didn't surprise me. It disappointed me, the, the proposal that they started off with. It didn't disappoint me because I've been here and been through several contract cycles and know how this goes and how United Management has behaved in the past. Uh, but I did have some uh, false hope, I guess, that we were going to get there quick, uh, as they at least stated that they wanted to get there quickly. It's the whole Kirby uh, couple of weeks thing. Uh, Dave, you've 38 years, you've been through a lot of CEOs. It seems like... I've, I've honestly lost count, and one of these days I'll go back and figure it out. But it doesn't matter. They're, they're short-term players, us that is the worker bees of United Airlines have built this airline. So we talked about that, you know, they're all under this same playbook. You're seeing the same thing. What did you see back in the day? I mean, what have you seen in 38 years that, that management seems to always want to do? Uh, reduce labor costs would certainly be the answer to that. However, uh, their tactics, um, and things, things change. I mean, obviously with social media and all that, I mean, I, I, I think back to the 85 strike and they, they had a town hall in, in those days, obviously electronic media was limited, but in effect you would show up for the town hall. That was the only way you could do it. And, uh, our CEO at that time, um, had his first town hall and nobody showed up. Not one pilot. Wow. And so then the company got mad. And what they did was they put the town hall on a VHS tape. For those of you who are too young to remember that, that was a magnetic media that we watched video on. And uh, they, they then took that VHS tape and made copies. We only had about 6,000 pilots in those days total. And they sent it out to the pilots. And the pilots wanted to make a message, but instead of just throwing it in the trash, which would have made a, a you know, certainly a message, but what they did was they brought them back to operations because it was United Airlines property, 
and left the videotapes in the CPO of those days. Typical of management, it seems that's the same playbook over and over. So let me ask you, um, so a couple of weeks ago, we had Kirby come in here and he had the town hall. Did you watch that? I did, out of a sense of duty uh, with the communications folks, as you know. And this was the night before we had our picketing event in Chicago. Sure was. So let me ask you, you're sitting there and you're listening to him and, and you hear over and over, one more work rule and it breaks the back of the company. So that was his public stance. How was it at the table? Well, for one, uh, the 79 open work rules and one more work rule breaking the back was uh, not only an exaggeration, uh, it was an untruth. But I asked two days later, sitting across the table from senior members of the company's negotiating committee, is that true? If if we have one more work rule to, to break the back, does that mean you're not coming any further? Are we done? And they said, no, 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 that we're, we're, you know, it's all about the total value of the agreement and if it's something that we can operate the airline with. And, and I guess in reality, they have in, since then given us proposals that have come our way regarding work worlds. So I guess the, we haven't broke the back of the company yet. So Dave, that kind of sounds like the whole, don't really listen to what I say to the pilots, just watch what I do kind of thing. Is that how you look at that? Yeah, I I view that town hall, which I felt obligated to watch, um, that it it was disrespectful. I view that the process is not respected by management, and yet they're the ones who tell us it's so important for United Next. Exactly right. So, so we started in Denver. Um, we're three months later. Here we are in May. Um, on the eve of a nationwide picket. Where do you feel we are now, Garth? Well, as I said before, I, we have a long way to go as far as resolving open proposals or open contractual items. It can go quickly, but it won't go quickly until senior management decides they want it to go quickly. We've had grinding success so far. Uh, every week, a few nuggets here and there, mostly, again, in, in the area of work rules. Uh, we still have areas where, you know, log jams even in work rules where we need to get past. The company still holds to short call caps, which we're seeking, uh, that are unreasonably high. They still hold to involuntary field standby assignments, which we will not accept an agreement that contains. So there's, there's a lot of uh, places to go uh, before we can get an agreement. And certainly, we, we haven't even started t locking horns about wage rates yet. So economic things, we're not even to the economic part. Not, not uh, to a great extent, no. We submitted a very comprehensive sick leave proposal, long-term disability proposals, vacation, retirement, and uh, we still have a long way to go in many of these sections. I, I also think it's disingenuous to say Delta, and he's offered, we all know, Delta to the dollar, to the penny, but there's so much more to this agreement that is economic that is not being addressed, that has not been addressed. So you're saying his Delta match on pay rates is kind of low-hanging fruit. 
I mean, he's just kind of saying, I'll pay you what Delta's got. And I think he said that in the town hall. He's absolutely obligated to do that if he wants to retain quality pilot employees. Can't disagree. That's a good brief. So let me ask you, David, I mean, you're, you're, you're standing on the eve of the largest picket outside of a strike in any airline history. Certainly anything bigger since the 85 strike. Um, tell me what you got planned. Well, as everybody knows, the, the objective of our picket was to put on a nationwide 10 event or 10 separate event uh, simultaneous picket, which has really never been done. It is a huge undertaking. And my SPSC uh, brothers and sisters out there who are at the LEC and MEC level have worked amazingly hard to make it a reality. It's going to be an, uh, an, just an incredible event. I thank you. Uh, it's being a former strike person myself, I understand the logistics behind just a local picketing event and to put together this nationwide event with a live stream and, and everything that goes into it. Uh, this group has been outstanding. And, uh, you know, I, my hat's off to the amount of work they put in. You know, I don't think they knew what they were getting when they put three former SPSC guys here on top of all of this. So, hey, Dave, let, let me ask you about this. Uh, you got P2P going out there. Uh, you're really ramping up the ranks in P2P. Tell me a little bit about, about P2P and what you have going with those guys. You know, I think the, the best value of that, uh, of that committee, uh, which is run in an incredibly uh, unified fashion, is that it serves as the true conduit, as, as we know, between our representational body and the membership. And it works both ways. The good information gets out, but believe it or not, those guys out there gather everything that is told to them and it gets relayed back. And that's information that's live and that's incredibly valuable to allow the MEC to do their job better. Well, so let me ask you about this. Uh, you got P2P gathering that kind of information. Uh, Garth, polling? What are you thinking about polling coming up? Well, I'm a big believer in polling. I think part of the problem that led to our disconnect between membership and representation over the last few years was our lack of surveying, our lack of polling. And so I, I'm... I would like to see polling continue, not even during this contract cycle, but even beyond, to make sure that we're continually taking the pulse of the membership, understanding where where we are, where we need to improve, what we're getting right. So, Dave, when you hear those polling results, is that something that you implement in your SPSC plans? Do you take you take good care of figuring out what they're they're thinking out there? It's it's probably some of the most valuable things that we do because it's the membership's voice. And for them to have true input into the process just through their expression and their input to the P2P is, as I said, just the, one of the most valuable things about the process. So not to give any uh, benefit to the company of what polling tells us, you're kind of figuring out that we're pretty united, aren't we? Well, the last poll did indicate that. It indicated that uh, pilots are a little tired of waiting on management for this agreement. Uh, they are tired of, of being told a story that doesn't quite add up from management, and they're ready to stand with their fellow pilots to do something about it. I think that's awesome. So uh, also under SPSC is family awareness. Tell me what you got going over there. You got, you got 
Brian and all those guys. You got the BAM. Tell me what you're doing with all those guys. Uh, Dave Bernard, who's the family awareness chair, has uh, beyond knocked it out of the park. It, it, it began, of course, with the nationwide Top Golf event, but it has continued at a regular pace and it is planned to continue at that pace at many places. For instance, uh, we have some events in, uh, in Phoenix that were just designed, um, and Council 153 uh, built those, our brand new Las Vegas Council. And the objective is real simple, just get together as families, because that's really what matters here. It's all about us, right? So, so Garth, as you, as you look at this, this huge picket, um, and, and, and let me ask Dave, how many are coming? Um, I'm going to, it's, it's thousands. This is not a small event. It, it grew into something. We were given uh, a charge and my team has, is going to show the world. Safe to say it's more people than would have fit in that small room of the town hall that Mr. Kirby did. Garth, let me ask you, so you, you've got this huge picket, picket going on. Um, does this move the needle at the table? I believe it does. I was a strike chair back during the merger uh, negotiations, and I know for a fact that they were those picketing events were talked about at the table. It did move the needle. I believe it moved the process forward, and I believe that the show that we're going to put on May 12 will move the needle. It'll show management and the traveling public, the media, and anybody else paying attention that the United Pilots are unified and, and ready to have a deal. So going forward, we're going to have this huge picket. Uh, we're going to have these family awareness events. We're, we're staying united as a, as a pilot group. Going forward, um, Garth, I understand that the MEC came together and you guys put together a strategic plan. Tell me how you guys came up with that. Well, we started soon after I was elected. We put together uh, what we call the negotiating support team or NST, largely communications, negotiating, and SPSC personnel, along with help we've received from the ALPA SPSC, uh, the Alaska Pilots MEC, the Delta Pilots rolled out the red carpet for us and, and taught us, or at least uh, led us into what they learned during their negotiating cycle, what they got right, what they got wrong, or what they'd rather do uh, the next time, I should say. And we met starting in Vallow, uh, actually starting in Denver in February, and then we went to Vallow in D.C., uh, ALPA headquarters, and we worked very hard on uh, a timeline with what-ifs and where we would uh, increase the pressure and turn up the temperature uh, leading towards uh, what May 12 being part of that, uh, the nationwide picketing event, and we have other uh, objectives in our strategic plan. And then we presented that to the MEC in March, and they unanimously approved our plan. And it's a plan we continue to follow even past May 12th. So I have to ask, you, you've got this strategic plan, um, you've got this big picket going on, and Garth, every pilot out there that's ever read anything on any of the forums that pilots are on, they want to know, when is a strike vote? What's a strike vote? What's, so for better, lack of a better way to say it, tell me the process here. What, what are we looking for? What processes are we going through to get to that? Well, you know, May 12, like I said, is part of a plan, a MEC consideration of mediation and a strike vote. Absent sufficient progress is also part of that plan. Uh, and we've made it clear to management that we're not going to continue 
at the current pace and with present company positions uh, in, in perpetuity without proceeding along uh, you know, the next step in the Railway Labor Act and in Section 6 negotiations. The MEC at some point will uh, have to consider mediation and a subsequent strike vote should we not make enough progress here soon. So let me ask you about that. You, um, we talked about the progress that we were seeing earlier, and you were talking about the slow moving of that. Is the company talking about mediation at all? Uh, not so much. Uh, I, to, to me, I don't think they want to go to mediation at this point. They know that mediation will slow the process down, and they have United Next growth plans that involve a considerable amount of growth before next summer. And if we do go to mediation, uh, it will uh, provide some challenges to meeting uh, the timeline that the company wants regarding staffing. So today you announced a special MEC meeting for the end of the month? Yes, May 31 for two days. So tell me, what, what's the plan for the MEC meeting in May? It'll be a status update. For one, uh, the, the prior week will include the United Airlines Board of Directors meeting, so I will be briefing the MEC on what takes place during that. Uh, but the primo- primary reason we're having that meeting is for the negotiating committee to provide a status update and then the MEC to have an opportunity to discuss what to do about it. That's awesome. Dave, lots of plans after May 12th? Certainly. Um, the NST is a living breathing organism that uh, we uh, uh, are continuing to uh, update and be provided input from the MEC and continuing to work on our strategic plan, which is a very, very fluid thing. I'll tell you, when I first started this, I didn't think we'd be here uh, this late into the game. Having said that, we were prepared to be here and we're prepared for the future. Absolutely. So so as we come out of this, um, I have to ask Garth, um, you've got American out there, you've got FedEx, you've got Southwest, they're all in deep negotiations here. Uh, do you consider, is this a threat? Is this a, what do you, what do you see that as? No, I don't view it as a threat. Uh, for instance, if American beats us to an agreement in principle, well, if they have solid gains in their agreement, well, perhaps the price will go up. But certainly we don't view it as a threat as far as slowing us down. So at, the, at this picket, you've got thousands of people showing up. What do you want to tell me about this picket? Who can come? We welcome all. Obviously, we uh, um, uh, wish for our families to be at family awareness events. So this is a, a pilot and labor union worker picket. But, uh, you know, the most common questions we get via PDR to the SPSC, which we're always welcome to uh, send, and we respond rapidly to all, as well as the Eventbrite link uh, questions that you send. Well, just speaking about the PDR, speaking of thousands, there's thousands of people coming, there's thousands of PDRs. No, I mean, the most common questions we get is, can probationary pilots participate? And I, I say absolutely. As a matter of fact, it, 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 it brings tears to my eyes almost to see half-wingers making a statement. That is the most meaningful thing that I see out there, besides the old guys. But um, And in terms of uniform wear, 
uh, just check your uh, RSVP Eventbrite link and it'll tell you what each separate location has because now we know what the weather is going to be on Friday. And lastly, if you're on reserve, while we have respectfully asked that you limit or turn off your cell phones for the picketing event, we understand that reserves have an obligation to the company as well as to their fit for duty and they're going to be allowed to be, but we certainly welcome their participation. One thing I'd like to throw out there, by the way, is we're going to have a number of pilots out there from other airlines and a number of employees from other work groups and even maybe some community leaders. So I do ask that the United Pilots present make it a point to reach out to them and say, hey, thank you for showing up on your own time for our cause. And I dare say that in, in, in respectful response to their participation for our event, that we need to be prepared to support them and we need to change our tact and we will be there for them. Absolutely. Uh, AFA, they're, they, I've been told that the company wants concessions in several areas of their contract and, and we're there to support them in their negotiations. You know, just to point out one thing, and I saw this at the uh, earnings call when we went down and picketed on uh, April 19th. There was a brand new pilot. He did not even have a uniform yet. He hadn't even been to training yet. I saw both of you guys talking to him. Uh, pretty big statement. Yeah, that's, that's bold stuff. I appreciate somebody that's leaning in so early in their career. And I also dare say that probably one of my most vivid, uh, impactful memories that I come out of 1985 with is here are these 59-year-old, in those days retirement age was 60, um, 59-and-a-half-year-old, 747 rope start, as we called it in those days, captains on a picket line striking for the B scale. You know, both ends of the spectrums, which we've just discussed, are, 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 are something that brings tears to your eyes. It's pretty awesome. Two guys here that uh, 30 years plus, you're not going to be on reserve anytime soon, and you're standing out there for those reserve rules. Well, I, sh I, I hope to not ever be on reserve again, but I've spent many a year on reserve, and, and it's important to me. Garth, Dave, appreciate your time. I know you're both very busy. That's it for the podcast. Uh, please stay connected to your union. Please stay very connected to Alpa. I know you'll have updates coming. Garth? Hey, see you Friday. Please come out. Friday. Make Dave. the statement Friday. We'll see you on the line. You got it.